Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Look out. There's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a milkmaid, and I love films. As John Green said, some infinities are bigger than other infinities. Like, for instance, the Infinity War, which is apparently not as big as the Endgame, if you think about it. Isn't it? I don't know. They're both pretty big to me, but I've not actually consciously measured them like you have john green so i'll take your word for it every week i invite a special guest over i tell them they've died then i get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them previous guests include barry jenkins jamila jamil kevin smith and even ched crambles but this week it is the amazing comedian desiree birch head over to the patreon at patreon.com forward slash brett goldstein where you'll get an extra 20 minutes of chat with desiree we talk about beginnings we talk about films that changed her perspective on something but we also get an amazing extra secret with her and you get the whole episode uncut and as a video check it out over at patreon.com forward slash brett goldstein ted lasso season two has only got four episodes left so get caught up on all of that on apple tv plus and also check out soulmates on amazon prime one will make you happy the other will make you think yes so Desiree birch desiree birch is a brilliant comedian she's a presenter she's a writer she's all sorts She's also someone I've wanted to get on this podcast for a very long time. We finally managed to record this over Zoom last week where she just started a holiday in Greece. I was very grateful for her time and we had a right old laugh. I probably should put some kind of, I don't know, I don't know who listens to this podcast, do you know what I mean? What I will say is me and Desiree talked a lot about very adult, very adult subjects for the first 30 minutes. So if that is anything that you think, I shouldn't be listening to that, you could sort of skip forward to 30 minutes in and then you'd probably be fine. Probably. Who knows? Do you know what? I mean, you'll be fine. Come on, grow up. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 164 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by a writer, a actor, a podcaster, a presenter, a comedian, a panel showist, a panel uh, 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 winner, a hero, a legend, one of the <laughs> finest comics of her oh generation, God. 
in the UK, even though she's not from here. She came over here and basically took over comedy. Please welcome to the show, the brilliant, the amazing, it's Desiree Birch. Oh my God, Brad. Thank you so much. You might have made up for my whole childhood just then. Thank you so much. <laughs> I needed all of that. But like when I was eight, do you have a time machine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could do that. We could make that happen. Let's do it. Amazing. Um, listen, we listen. We at Films to Be Buried with Towers are delighted to have you on the show. You're a very, you're a very busy lady. You got everything going on. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate you reaching out to me. It made me feel quite cool. So thank yeah. you. You're you're you're, cool, you're guys. Uh, deceptively very nice, but you're also very cool. And mm-hmm. I've known of you as being a very cool guy for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't mean that to sound bad. It's just cool. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you invited me to the party. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very, good. very, yeah. Famously, famously known as a as a cool guy. Now, what, uh, <laughs> what, um, uh, you? If you can share this with with the listener, you are. Where are you right now? Where the fuck so, are you right yeah, now? Yeah, where the fuck am I? Is a huge metaphysical question, but in the immediate physical, I am in Greece for a very, very brief and very wonderful and desperately needed holiday uh i literally just got here like earlier like in the wee hours of the morning um and now i am um on the island of kea uh i just came in from like being in the sea which is why my hair looks like i took care of it you know there's nothing better (laughs) than like just beach everything like when you come out of the beach you're just like you can be ashy as fuck and it doesn't matter you're just like gorgeous and sun-kissed i feel amazing can we ask you just you just finished something your own thing your own did you are we allowed to talk about it oh yeah i was just like yeah yes we are because it's out there in the universe it's so funny i feel so bad because every time people were like oh you just worked on a thing i was like i've just worked on like so many things i have no yeah, yeah, idea yeah. what thing we're even talking about or what day it is or who i am so um i just finished um shooting a pilot for a new show for channel 4 e4 and it's called the love triangle it's all it's a thruples dating show because at this point uh, i don't know how it. i became the dating show person i guess between too hot to handle like now like i don't know they were just like you are the perfect person for this and i guess having worked as a dominatrix everyone's like if it's about sex, Desiree's got to talk about. It. I'm like, honestly, like for the amount that we talk about me and sex, I've had far less of it than everybody <laughs> else who doesn't say a damn thing about it. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I really hope that it does well and kind of works. I think it's like a thing that still needs to be sort of perfected because yeah. I don't know that we have a very good mainstream understanding of what that is because what most people think of is a threesome. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? They think of like monogamous couple as the anchor, you know, whether it's romantic or sexual. And then there's just a sort of like satellite moon going around them. That's like fun sometimes, which is not necessarily what a throuple should be. Do you know what I mean? Even though I'm not, polyamorous per se what would be your ideal version of a thruple see i i'm the worst person to ask because i have threesome mentality my thruple is me at the center and then other people making me feel like i'm at the center (laughs) oh so so your one is not even a there's no there's no couple you're just the thing and then it's just me and then there's two people right or like there's like a couple and then there's the other person for when i'm sick of that person i mean for me i guess Mm. i you know like i'm bisexual so my boyfriend i'm dating a dude so i guess it would be a woman 
but I don't know exactly. Like I couldn't name like, oh, it's definitely going to be this person or whatever um, who's famous and hot. But like I also probably wouldn't because it'd be someone I know in my life who'd listen to this and be like, well, hey. And I'm like, actually, it's more of a fantasy than anything. Please don't uh, phone. But yeah, I think probably it would be. But I then again, I say that and I'm like, I don't know if I should be that satisfied. And that sounds really <laughs> A very self-denying like thing to say, but I don't know that 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 amount of satisfaction allows for a lot for me for a lot of growth. Like I do need struggle. Like when I would date women exclusively, like it would be great. And I was like, "Mm, there's something missing here. Like, (laughs) like the sex is nice. And then we eat dinners and we hang out and I don't know. I need something else. Like I need some trouble. Like (laughs) I need, I need a problem. I need some frustration. I need to go huff and walk into the other room and that's not happening here. And so I don't know that I would sustain the rest of my existence being that content. But wouldn't a, (laughs) wouldn't a adding another person into the mix, it it ups the chances of more struggle and, and problems and issues. And you're right. I mean, it'll keep you, the politics of that should keep you busy for a while. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that we also, um, I at least always imagine, you know, because I'm at the center of my own universe with all these satellites around me that I'm like, oh, it's going to be all about me and everyone's going to make me happy. No, you're going to have a fight with one. And then the other one's going to be like, yeah, you are wrong. And then you're going to be like, oh, well, now there's accountability as opposed to just like one person said one thing and the other person said another. And I guess we'll never know. It's like, no, we know you fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, we've now got a fucking majority to to make decisions yes that's i do not want democracy in my house (laughs) you never want you never want a situation where there could be a majority against no no i'm outside my door great in my home no it's totalitarianism (laughs) totalitarian authoritarian (laughs) tell me this then so so this show which obviously i'm now obsessed with (laughs) it it's like different versions of a couple auditioning someone so yeah the way that it's structured and i even i don't know i i even questioned this but the way it is structured is that a couple comes and they are looking for a third to be part of their sort of life not just for like a night but you know whatever to kind of incorporate and see if it works out so you know they it's basically like you've got three people you can't see and you, you know, you get to ask them questions and then they slowly sort of get eliminated and they sort of get to ask you some questions back and whatever. And then you get to the place where it's like, okay, we're going to look at each other. Now, do we still want to do this thing? And they're standing on this, you know, well, I don't even know if I should say this, but you know, cause it's like, Oh, but basically they secretly choose like, yes, I want to go on a date and it's literally just a date. Yes, I want to go on a date with this person or these people or actually no thanks now that I've gone through this. And I hope that it'll sort of pull people out who are kind of like uh, looking for, you know, I would say that part of it calls into question just relationships in general. Like I'm someone that I'm like, even though I tend to practice monogamy, I feel like that's a construct that people created for the purposes of like property and land and ownership and all these other things. Like, so why not have a totally different construct? Like, why not? Because honestly, life is twice as long as it used to be because we have like penicillin and stuff. So like, why not figure out if something else works a little bit more functionally? Because who knows in however many hundreds of years, if that's 
the thing, actually, yeah. that we figured out three is actually the magic number and right. this works a lot better or is a lot more stable or something. I don't know, but it's worth questioning everything that we thought we knew because clearly if the present has revealed anything to us is that we don't know what we thought we knew, you know, just about everything. I've sort of had a theory for a while that, that, that this century is going to be spent undoing everything that happened in the last century. It's like everything, like every, every aspect of it that we did, we did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we, and yeah. we're only now realizing we did everything wrong. And now we have to undo everything until I guess uh, we're just a village living in fields and living <laughs> off the land and, and raising Bringing the torches to someone's house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, but can I ask you, and maybe this is too personal. Have you ever been in a relationship that is polyamorous? I've never been in a polyamorous relationship. I've been in the like one night situation, but like not in the like, let's like live together and work this out. I do have uh, some friends who have done that, but I, they, I tend to find it's not always true, but more frequently they are younger. I feel like, like you and Mm. I are around the same generation. We're in that weird sort of like Gen X millennial taint area, but I feel like. (laughs) You know, the, like that Gooch, Generation Gooch. Yeah. But like, I feel like millennials and, you know, are they Gen Z? What? I don't know what letter we're on. Are we in the Greek alphabet now? But anyway, yeah. I feel like those who are younger than us are a little bit more receptive to that. I think just in terms of going like, probably they've seen a lot of heterosexual or even not heterosexual at this point, but monogamous relationships not work. Mm. And so they're kind of like, oh, you know, like it's possible to love more than one person and let's work it out. You know, I'm of the generation where my friends go like, yeah, but at the end of the day, there's too many damn people in the room. (laughs) Like I can barely deal with one other person in the same home (laughs) where I can hear them breathing. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by the idea and I love the, the idea of it. And I struggle to, I, I read a book about where they were talking about like jealousy is a made up emotion that you can sort of get rid of. And I thought, is it? But I'm interested. <laughs> but I also thought, is it? <laughs> seems, yeah. like a, seems like no, a fairly but- common one. It it is. But I think I don't know what the argument is. But if you go back to looking at uh, monogamous relationships as an invented construct, then, yeah, jealousy would then be the emotions that are built on top of that. Whereas before you like, I guess even before, like, you know, dual person relationships, maybe you might see someone that you snogged and then the next day you're snogging someone else. You're like, you know, but I mean, ultimately tends to be more (laughs) about your insecurity right yeah but but that insecurity uh, is both real and made up though right like our insecurities mm. are based on weird stories that we have about ourselves and our shortcomings that pretty much nobody else holds about us typically yeah you're fucking right so that is also kind of in a way a made-up emotion it's kind of like when um therapists talk about like feelings about feelings where it's like don't feel guilty about being sad like just have the pure emotion because emotions happen for a reason don't then then make up feelings about the feelings you had because it's just like why are you hitting yourself (laughs) you're so right because i guess what jealousy is 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 saying i'm not comfortable with this thing happening with someone else because i don't believe in myself enough that this is gonna be fine or yeah yeah it's needing it's needing validation or yeah it, yeah i think it is i mean this mm. may be related or may not be but i remember 
There's this dude that I spent like right my year leading up. This was like post Saturn return leading up to like 30 year of like being all messed up about. And we had one of those relationships that isn't a relationship, but is one, one Mm -hmm. that's like all this like hand holding and late night talking and sharing of dreams and like not actually really having physical connection or actually being claimed publicly, but still having a thing going on Mm -hmm. happens to a lot of women and a lot of gay men I found, but Like, there's this whole thing of, like, me being, like, you know, like, I feel like you're the one and you're not giving me the thing and I feel all fucked up about myself. And then the minute he was, like, I just don't think I'm as into it as you are. Like, basically, I'm just not that into you, right? Right. Like, it was a big kick to the cooter. But then after that, I was just, like, ew. And it was amazing how quickly my psyche went, like, ew, you're gross. Like you're not into me and you just spent a year like fucking diddling around and holding my, and like also just like, if you're not into me, like, I don't know. I don't necessarily always have like a super high self-esteem, but in this moment I was like, you're fucking stupid. Like you're just (laughs) dumb. I can't believe I like someone so dumb and fucking useless. And it was amazing how some part of me just like stood up for myself immediately after he was like, I'm just, I don't really just think I'm into you. And I was just like, okay, fine. And I cried for like a night. I woke up the next day. I was like, fucking lame, Blech. gross, vomit emoji over. Yeah. And I was like, I wish that I had, you know, made that confrontation happen in a lot of other situations sooner. So I wouldn't have had jealousy mm-hmm. or feelings of self-worth that were in the gutter and all these other things when I could just have had that feeling of like, Al, that cuts like a knife. I'm going to cry. Like I've been stabbed in the street. It hurts. And then go, Oh, that person's gross and stupid. Bye. Yeah. You know, like, uh, no better feeling than being like, I feel nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. The dream is to feel nothing at all times. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, can I ask you one other thing? Although you may, I know you've talked about it a lot. So genuinely, if you were like, I'm bored of talking about that, say so and we won't talk about it. But in your time as a dominatrix, like, mm-hmm. I sort of, there are two things I sort of want to know. One is like your first day, your first mm-hmm. time. Like, whether it was, like, scary or you were, like, ah, like, or was, or was it, I'm sort of interested in the very, because I'm yeah. sure you get, everyone mm-hmm. gets used to whatever the thing is, but the first time. First day you, at work. Yeah, you thought, <laughs> you, I don't know what, what made you go, I'll give this a go. But when you first did, were you like, this is weirder than I thought, this is better than I thought, this is scary like how was the very first time if i may so yeah yes you can now normally um like i usually i'm like i'm like i'm so bored of talking about this because people tend to not have any questions like they just go so you were dominatrix oh i got (laughs) right and then you're like i yeah but the thing and the reason that i usually go like oh is because People think they're interested until they hear the truth and then suddenly they're not interested anymore. Because, like, the truth is, like, you know, it's full of, like, reality and fluids and weird emotions and pain and stuff that people are like, oh, I thought it was going to be, like, a Cinemax, like, sort of situation (laughs) that was going to be all, like, airbrushed. And, you know, I'm like, no, this is, like, for real people who go to their jobs, put on makeup and PVC or whatever, walk across, a you know, a threshold into a room just Mm. like you walk onto a stage and you're like, okay, this is who I am. Or, you know, I've read the dossier of what the dude wants. This is who I'm going to be. And also, it's really funny because um, I always think about, like, I was a dominatrix. I went to Yale. And people are always impressed when you say those things. But no one ever asks how you did it, those things. Like, I wasn't great. At- <laughs> that is so funny. I was <laughs> shit. I was really bad at it. 
Bye. <laughs> yes, I was not a good dominatrix. I was a much better comedian writer, like fly on the wall. I'm going to use this later. I was yeah. not great at the job. I mean, right. I was a virgin when I started it, Brett. Wow. So like I was, yeah, that's the whole trick of it. I went into that job having, I was a late virgin. I hadn't had sex at all. I went into that going, well, this is a sex-free way of getting to look at men in a sexual way and starting to sort of like desensitize myself about like the fear around that. And, you know, I had a lot of just yeah. body fear, you know, like I'm, I'm a fat black woman. That is pretty much as far as sexuality goes in Western culture, pretty low on the totem pole, except for in the fetish world where suddenly all the people who won't admit that they're attracted to you in the light of day are like, <laughs> so that was for me, it was in part validating, but I also kind of needed to feel some sense of empowerment with it just mm -hmm. because I just felt like so objectified just in this body where so much attention is paid to you uh, about like your flaws and then yeah. no attention is paid to you as to like your qualities. Right. So going into it. So sorry, can I just go back one, one please, second? Please, please, please. So if you, you were a virgin and you had yes. this, you had this idea, but did the, <laughs> Did the idea come to you because you knew someone else who was doing it? Did did someone so, suggest it? Yes. Where did it come from? So I was on a date with this girl at the time. She had a friend who was working at the same dungeon. So, and, and it was just like, I don't know if you've ever, like, well, okay, look, you probably have because you're an artist and I'm certain you've done the thing where you do something for the story or because you uh, want to say you've done it. I do everything <laughs> for the story. For the story, right? Everything. And so- as like being a dominatrix was something I wanted to say that I done <laughs> because yeah, I was yeah. like, that makes me seem pretty cool and badass and more powerful than I actually am. So a fake right. it till you make it kind of gesture. So she was talking about it and she was just sort of like a normal person. Like she wasn't sort of like hypersexualized, like you look like a stripper or anything like that. She was just like a, a Brooklyn witch, you know, like you do. Right. Who also worked as a dumb. And I was just like, tell me more. And she's like, yeah, I mean, we're always hiring, you know, because um, they are always hiring because there's a high turnover rate in a job like that. Right, right, um, it's yeah. kind of like canvassing where it's like you do that for one day and you're like, yeah, I don't care about Greenpeace. Never mind. Bye. So. <laughs> So, yeah, the world burn. I'm done. Yep, pretty much. I'm done because if one more person like gives me the evil eye on the street and just ignores yeah. my existence, I'm going to lose it. So I go in. I have the interview. They basically are like, you know what this job is, right? I'm like, yeah. Um. So then they're like, great, you're hired because basically, you know, you don't make any money until they make some money. So they may as well hire yeah. you. So my first, I believe this was my first. <laughs> it was just a half hour spanking session. It was just a okay. spanking session. But the thing is, that's thirty minutes right and so you've got to create a lot of spanking a war yes you've got to create yeah. a world in which a spanking happens in a sexual way which is not something i knew how to do because i hadn't don't how to do anything in a sexual yeah. way so i beat this guy's ass like he was a black kid who had stayed out past the street lights coming on like i beat his <laughs> ass like there wasn't like if you give a sexy spanking you have to like you have to do the spank and the rub, you know, it's like part of it is the tease and part of it is the, the withholding and then the, the smack and like the exhilaration of not knowing when it's coming. It's not getting wailed on like your Southern grandma with a switch was like, <laughs> you know, I beat this grown man's ass and like, I didn't do a great job because like he didn't finish, which is how, you know, you've done your job, right? Right, right. At the end, he goes, Poof. but and was there like, no, no, no storyline as in you just walked in and just started hitting it? Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, 
I, I was like trying to be, I'm like, yeah, bend over, get on, get on the spanking horse. You've been bad. I just beat his ass and then took his cash. <laughs> I can't. I'm just so fortunately, you know, you work with other people who like, you know, they'll show you how to use a flogger. They'll show you use a whip or they'll show you, or they'll let you sit in on their session because the guy likes being, you know, voyeurism or he likes right. being looked at or whatever. So you get a chance to go see and you go, Oh, that's how, like how you create a character and, you know, or I mean, not even a character, but like literally how you sort of create a, a power dynamic, you know, yeah. when you come into the room and, you know, I mean, there were women who were younger than I was who had been doing it for, you know, there were a couple of women I worked with who had like either done it right out of high school or dropped or whatever, you know, and then, then there are other women who like went to Ivy League schools or putting themselves through nursing school or college mm. or whatever. It was like the whole gamut of women. It's like the coolest sorority. You know what I mean? It's not just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, whatever girls named Jessica and Lauren who are like, uh. um, but it was just like women from like all walks of life. And so you got to see someone who's like, I'm like, this chick's younger than me. She's basically a kid, but she knows what she's doing and she knows what she has, how to wield this attention and how to give that attention back to someone in a way that's still, yeah. you know, because the submissive is always the center. They are the ones who are getting, you know, like I'm far more submissive than dominant because I like having attention paid to me. Yeah. You want to be the middle of the throuple. You want yes, to be the, which is, the thing exactly. that is being audited. Exactly. Which is, you know, when you're the submissive, everything is happening to you because of you at you. So yeah. then it is about being able to not only empathize, but also to push beyond, you know, what is comfort comfortable for some people. Some people are like super into pain and I get the way the brain works and how that fires off of pleasure because they're right next to each other. But at the same time, you're like, this is kind of like, bleh. like, I don't want to stick needles in you. I don't want to keep twisting your nipples oh, till they fall off. Like, I don't want to do that, but you're into that. So I'm going to have to like find a way to do that or be like, I can't do that level of pain session. You have to give that to someone who's really just like, like, I mean, I worked with a woman who was studying to be a nurse. She had right. no problem. Like she knew yeah, exactly yeah, how to put a needle course. in someone, cut someone, whatever. She's like, great. And those were fun too. Cause it's like, that's just a science experiment. When a guy's like put clothespins <laughs> all over my balls, I was just like, let's see how many of these I can put on before you scream. Loop, you know, like at that point, you're just like a kid who's been given a chemistry set. <laughs> the first one. Yeah. The first one, were you, were you scared turning up? Were you like, oh, and then were you like, oh I no, mean, it's just this. It's just a person in a room. Yeah, I was less scared then than I would be now. Like, I really? think that you can do magnificently terrible things when you're young because yeah. you don't know. You don't know what you're risking. You don't know what you have to lose. I always felt like you get much more sensitive as you get older because mm. I think you just like have enough experience to know what kind of pain or hurt or something could result yeah. from what you're about to do. When you're 23, 24, you're just like, I don't know. Show me something like I haven't done shit. So like, yeah. just show me anything. Like, I don't know. What does this do? Like, and then later you're like, oh, I did spend a whole year in therapy about that thing I did when I was yeah. 23, but I needed to do that to have like something to work on. So when I came in, I was just more like, okay, well, they hired me. I guess they'll, you know, like any job, I guess they'll show me what to do on the day. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I got an outfit. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So to, so the, the 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 second question I wanted to ask and I appreciate you talking about it is you went in a virgin and one of the reasons you did was to, you know, learn stuff. Did yeah. it change your world view on sex and uh, like did it did it make things better, more exciting, did it make it worse? Did it 
Like, well, so there's a li- there's a many levels to that question. I can't just answer a question for like one sentence. I'm so sorry. Um, it'd be much snappier as a podcast if I did. Me. But I think that there was what happened in the immediate, and then what happened in the long term. Like, I think there was part of it in the immediate. Like, when you, I'll be real frank. When you have enough dudes on their hands and knees beating off to like something you've just did, like at some point you're just like, Ugh, all these guys just like want to get something from you, get off and then go. And it starts right. to change your worldview about men in a way for me that I was like, this isn't necessarily what I need up front, yeah. do you know? Because like at some point you start to just go like, oh God, all of you just like seething animals looking, ah. Ugh, everywhere you look, just users, Ugh, you know, yeah. not that that isn't helpful information to have because later you can go, you know, all of us have our moments in which we're just gross. I happened to have worked in a place where I am seeing people at a certain state in their lives, even though 90% of the time they're at home with their kids or they're at the office or they're doing other things. Yeah. The 10% they're just like, I need a stranger to do this thing to me because I'm too afraid to tell somebody who's in my life about this because I think they'll leave me. So I need a place where I can pay someone so I can be my most base possible, right? So I understand in retrospect that that was a specific kind of, you know, view of humanity that I was getting at the time. But it did very much open my eyes up to kind of like what power dynamics can come into relationships, sexuality, and just like the outside world in a way that I think was really elucidating. Like once you see that, it's hard not to transpose those images onto like the default world and be like, I see what this scenario is. Or like, you're the kind of guy who really just likes to be shat on. So I'm not going to sit here and listen to you. But like I can see from your face. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're big and important, but like yeah. shut the fuck up because you'll go in and just have a girl squat over your face. And not that there's anything wrong with that per no, se, but it makes me go, well, like stop tooting your own horn. Cause I know what you like. <laughs> so, but yeah, for me, it let me go like, Oh, I can see things that I might be into. Like, I know that there are things that I maybe am not into, but there are other things I was like, oh, I definitely see the appeal of that, you know? And I think it made me a little less like, um, I don't know that I would have been necessarily super judgmental anyway, but it made me a lot less just because Mm. anything anybody's ever been like, oh, I'm really into this. I'm like, yeah, I've seen people who are into 10 times more shit. So like, that's not gonna, it's not gonna make me walk away from you or judge you or whatever. It's gonna make me go like, huh, I wonder where that came from. Because typically when you're enacting some weird fantasy, you're like, you clearly had something like this happen to you like at puberty and it got stuck. You know, like I did one where like a guy wanted us to dress up like cheerleaders and make fun of him like he was in high school. And I was like, so when did this happen? And you got like a surprise boner. And then this was like a thing that switched in your head. And now you're constantly trying to like, you know, get the same high that you got from that moment. You can't quite get it, you know? So anyway. Anyway, it's 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 a fascinating view into the universe. But I also it's like we all everybody fucks. Do you know what I mean? I mean, almost everybody. Right. You know, I guess unless you whatever, but everybody fucks. And it's a thing that we're like, we can never talk about it. And I was like, but I wish that someone had like I wish I didn't have to learn the things that I learned there there. I wish that I wish my mom would just spent half a day just being like. Okay, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and don't feel yeah. bad cuz then that's going to happen and it's going to be fine. You know, like And sometimes you're going to be fucking gross. You do you do gross yes. in some yes. sometimes it's like you're a fucking animal and then and then you're suddenly not like an animal and you feel weird about the bit that 5 minutes ago you were like an animal. That's all. Yes. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's the best part when you're like, oh my God, animals. And then you're like, uh, remember what you said five minutes ago when you were like being disgusting? And shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you said you liked it. Uh. That oh is, my goodness. Yeah, that's so, so. I also really like, I suppose you're in a fairly unusual situation that if you're with a guy and he tells you what his thing is scared to tell you and you're like, I've cut someone open and fed them yeah. their intestines. Like, like if, that's if doggy style is your thing, that's okay. <laughs> that's yeah, nothing. Seriously. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, half the time people think that people are like, I'm into this, this thing. I'm like, yeah, that's normal. Like people <laughs> yeah. are into, people who have sex for long enough are into that thing. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so weird. You know, anytime a guy's like, oh, I wanted to try putting something up my butt. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> it's where your G spot is. Like I was, I've been waiting. <laughs> I can't believe you wait to a date too. Come on. Yeah, let's I mean, come on, up. let's go, right? I thought you liked me. Come on. <laughs> Time is money. Let's do this. <laughs> Amazing. It's the best podcast ever, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm absolutely loving this. Uh, so, I mean, I obviously could talk to you about this all day, but um, I've forgotten to tell you something. And I should have told you when you came on the Zoom. Yeah, I, I do know... like full disclosure up front. It's a good yeah. thing. And I know you're on holiday as well, so it's a bit of a like, uh, but I'll just say it and then we'll deal with it, okay? But okay. Uh, you've died, you're you're dead. Bummer! It is, it is, isn't it? It is a bummer. I had plans and stuff. I know, I'm so <laughs> sorry. How did you uh, die? How would you die? All right. I have too many answers to this question. So <laughs> what I want to say and what I want to put out into the universe is that I either die in my sleep after being mm-hmm. at least mid 80s okay. or I die fast. Yeah. All right. If I don't die now in my talking. sleep, I just want to die fast. I don't necessarily like I don't want to be in the bottom of a well putting lotion on my skin kind of situation. Like I don't Agreed. want that, you know, um, like I don't want to be murdered. But I've often and I don't even want to say this. Good thing this table's wood. I'm going to knock on it because I'm quite superstitious. But I've definitely had sort of, I don't know if this is just a natural human thing because we're not supposed to be in these scenarios. But like, have you ever done the thing where you've been on the freeway driving in a car and just had a flash of like, smash, 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 smash. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and I was just like, is that, did I, did I die in a car accident in a previous life? Or am I just thinking about how, like, my body's going 90 miles an hour and it probably shouldn't be doing that in this piece of metal. And so I'm always like, would it be, you know, like what I don't want it to be is to be like, I'm on one of these winding roads and then like it goes off and I'm like, Oh no, this is how fuck like. (laughs) So what you drive off a cliff. Yeah. Or just like, you know, into something like I don't necessarily, maybe it's cool to have that moment, but I don't necessarily want to have that moment where I'm like, fuck, this is how it happens. And I know that, you know, people talk about stories where they have evaded death, where they've had that thought of like, oh, I guess this is how I go, you know? And I mean, maybe that's not terrible. I I just don't want it to be murder. Anything else. Oh, right. Okay. That's fair. You can, well, I'll make a note. You just, just no, just no murder, murder. like no murder and no stereotypical deaths. Like I'm big and black, so I don't want to die of like heart disease or diabetes. Because fuck everybody, yeah, not yeah. going out like that. I rather yeah. I don't want to fall down a flight of stairs. But you know, mm. I'm a klutzy person, so to be honest, it, it'll be an accident. So, I, I, do you want to go with drive off a cliff? Because great, I don't mind I like drive it. off a cliff because you get a moment of flight, and I think that <laughs> that bit That's be true. nice. 
It is a question answered. It is the last question answered. But you're like, this is what it's like to be in free fall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and then hopefully it'll be quick. We'll see. But yeah, yeah like, but I don't want to answer the question. I'm like, this is what it's like to have the steering column go through your torso. <laughs> yeah. But here we are. So here we are. I'm dead. I, so I get the impression you worry about death. Is that true? It is, I think, because of where I am in life, it has become a lot more present and real. Like, um, I think somewhere between sort of like, I'm 42 now. So like from like 37, 38, particularly 39 was a big one. I guess one, the lead up to 40 and two, my mom got really sick at that time. And Mm. she was 39 when she had me. So I was kind of looking at like the mirror image of being like, oh, I'm the age that she was like when she was my parent and all of that stuff. And like, I don't have any of that shit figured out, but then neither did she. Um, Mm. I just thought she did. So mortality became a very real concept of like, oh, you really do need to like figure out what you're doing because you don't have that much time left. And do you want st- to, do you want to die still doing some of the same stuff you're doing? So I think about it in that way, in terms of being like, I'd love to change certain patterns in my life just so that I don't keep doing the same thing to ex- the exclusion of other things that this life could contain, you know, because like, I guess, my belief is that we do choose to come into a physical form that there is some point at which there's like, I I like to think of it as the waiting room or whatever, but like people have NDEs talk about like, Oh, and then I saw my grandparents or my parent or whatever. And it was all this beautiful light. And it's like this beautiful technicolor dream. And everyone's like, it's okay. And it's not your time though. Go back and all that stuff. But like, it's all okay. It's going to be great. And you're surrounded in love. And I do feel like there's an element of that. That is true. But I feel like when you come into a form, you choose to take it all. Right. You know, you choose to go for the sake of feeling and in my opinion, for the sake of sort of moving forward some karmic debts, I'm going to go back into a physical form for all of the beauty, majesty and absolute horror that it Mm. contains. And so, yeah, I like I, I guess I think about death in terms of like. Have I done the things that I came here to do when I was sitting up there going, I choose her and I choose this one and I choose all of these circumstances, a lot of which can be quite heavy, but I think that I can do it. Like, I think I can get us across the next, I can click us over a little bit more mm-hmm. and get us across the next finish line. Am I doing that or did I get lost in the whirlpool and forget why I came yeah. and get lost in the store and go, fuck, I fucking forgot. God damn it. Sorry. So you think God. in terms of... <laughs> No, I love, love, love this. So you think you 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 don't plan out your life, but you put the kind of roadblocks in the way? You go. Yeah, I think oh, you choose the circumstances. I'll deal with, for example, and I'm guessing yeah. nothing to do with you, but as in I choose a death early. I choose this. I choose, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you get to choose your death, but I do know. Yeah, maybe you do, because I think everybody has their time. Like there's enough people who have evaded death and enough people who just died apropos of nothing for me to go there's a day with your name on it yeah you know what i mean like and i didn't used to believe that way but yeah if you could know the day with your name on it would you want to know oh fuck no that's too much like it's okay i have two minds of that like if i was in the position where someone's like you have x amount of weeks or months to live that's a gift that's a like, okay, great. Then I'm going to do it all because now's the only time that there is. And it 
immediately puts you into the present in a way that most people don't actually live their lives. But if I knew, I don't know, like if I knew it was, I don't know, like if I knew it was like 95, maybe I'd forget. But if I knew it was like 55, I'd spend so much time being like, why me? And what the fuck? And like, well, maybe I need to be famous or maybe I need to write all of the, uh. like it's, it's different when it's like five months than when yeah. it is like 15 years. Like that's just sort of like a lot of unfair. Like I, I know me, I'd spend a lot of time sulking. <laughs> <laughs> you really made the most of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Five months, I can deal with that. Like, I don't know about you. I'm a coper. I do well with the deadline. You know what I Love mean? A deadline. And if and if a deadline's in a month that or like if a deadline's tomorrow, that's when I'm gonna do the most work. If deadline's in the month, I'm gonna yeah. wait until the deadline's tomorrow and then do the most work. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> so a deadline of fifteen done. years, not good for me. <laughs> mm. Mm. Interesting. And a deadline of ninety five is like well, oh, who gives a fuck? That's life. Yeah, why are you, you telling know? me this? Yeah. yeah. I was hoping for something nearer. You know, so I get more shit done. <laughs> yeah, get a light of fire under my ass. Yeah. <laughs> so when you die, you return to this waiting room. That's what you think, or is there like a bit where you yeah. get to have some fun? Is there a heaven bit? Or you go to the waiting room and you like tot up your score of like this was the plan. Here's the things you you missed. Uh, maybe I mean like so. I, I honestly, I like, I, it is still a worldview of like, uh, spiritual reality and consciousness that I'm still fully forming. So I couldn't give you like a clear sort of lay of the land, but I do think that, I do think that we as sort of, um, different souls, expressions of consciousness don't always come back into this planet, this world, this existence. I do think that there's time that we just sit out and whether we're in heaven and whether it looks like clouds and pearly gates or whether it looks like. I, you know, like an acid dreamscape of just like color and, you know, I don't know. But like, I do think that there's time that you're just kind of like up there and being like, wow, things are really magnificent. Wow. The universe. Wow. And then at some point, like, I don't think everybody volunteers, but some people are like, yeah, I'll go in there and play. Like I'll go and, mm -hmm. you know, go in for a round. Cause somebody's got to go in for a round and look at these people. Like they're about to have a baby and they're all fucked up and they're definitely going to pass on a bunch of like, you know, like generational trauma and this and that and whatever. And maybe I can help or maybe I can do something there. And then I think you get here and you go, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're yeah. ripped out of a womb and you're like, this is the most uncomfortable I will be for however long this thing is about to last. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with this. <laughs> Nevertheless, I am dead. <laughs> you are dead, and I imagine yes. at this point people are like, this is a film podcast. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, yeah. Yes. What's your problem? Yes, but also you're dead. So Yeah, it, it's it absolutely is. is. Uh well I have <laughs> I have some news. There is this waiting room you talk of, it exists, but we call it heaven. And it's nice yes. there. It's pretty great. It's, it's pretty got your it's got your favorite thing in it. What's your favorite thing? Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, it's yeah. shellfish and oral sex. Right. So basically <laughs> the walls, I mean, you might regret that choice. The walls are made of shellfish <laughs> and oral sex. I'm just, if it's, got, it's, if it's got oysters and scallops, I'm so good. Okay. So there's oysters <laughs> and scallops everywhere, but unfortunately, whenever you get near them, they try to perform oral sex on you. So is it, <laughs> it's a mixed, it's a mixed bill, but, um, uh, just know. me up against a wall <laughs> legs akimbo like this is fine this is totally fine god said it was cool <laughs> just go this isn't quite what i meant but uh, it's pretty good and in this heaven whilst you're 
eating oysters and mussels <laughs> while also having oral sex performed on you by them. The people that are there just watching casually walking past. They wanted to, so They want to talk about your life. Weirdly, you're sort of like, I'm kind of busy, but they're like, yeah, it's fine. And we they're like, wait. what? Or no, just keep going. We just have some questions. Yeah. If you can concentrate on two things, you're like, I think so. And they say, we want to talk about your life, but through film. And the first okay. thing they ask you is, and you're like, this, this I've got to say, guys, this heaven is fucking weird. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, we know. We wanted someone no one could have guessed. <laughs> None of the religions got this part right. <laughs> yeah. Now, that is a lot of people who misinterpreted all the books we left lying around. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this. Okay. So, so they say, uh, what? Uh, the first thing they want to ask is, what is the first film you remember seeing, Desiree Birch? So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't want this to be the first film, but I think it is because of the nightmares it gave me. Um, uh, it's this film called The Gate. Yeah. And it was a horror film from the 80s. And I feel like I saw part of it, but just the part where the things under the bed were like eating the fingers of the person on the bed. It was like a kid, like... It was basically, I couldn't let any of my limbs hang off the bed, which is a common kid thing. Yes. But it was in part because I had seen the scene where there were these little demons that came out from underneath the bed and like saw the hand and the fingers and went like, ah! And I was like, see, I knew it. There's shit under the bed. It's going to eat me. Like, I'm going to get on. <laughs> and so I, I know that I've seen other films around that time, but that I remember so distinctly because I think it just the fear response that it ignited in me was so salient, like for years, yeah. well beyond the point of rationality. I was afraid to have anything hanging off the bed. How well were you? Do you remember? I had to have been somewhere around six, five okay. or six. Where like, was this? Basically, Where did you grow this, up? I grew up in a city called Diamond Bar, California, which is right next to Pomona. So okay. because you know L.A., I can say Pomona, but nobody yeah. knows what's next to that. It's right next door to Pomona, which people have heard of. Um, and so, um, yeah, my parents had moved out of Los Angeles to the suburbs. But, like, at the time, they didn't even have a streetlight in that town. But now it's like a rich town or whatever. So right. this would have been in Diamond Bar, California. I would have been, you know, this would have been around 85, maybe. I have to check and see when that film came out. But I'm guessing, like, it was on TV, and I had two working parents, which means a lot of parental things that should have happened, like me not watching shit like that on TV, did not happen. <laughs> also, my dad was not good at uh, being a father in that way. Like, he right. let me watch The Predator with him. And I'm like, I'm eight. What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, even at eight, I was like, this is inappropriate. Like, what are we doing? You know, I, I've talked to other people who have dads like that, and I don't know what they think they're doing, but it's not a favor. Uh, I, I well, but then look how you've turned out. I, I you went wrong. Do you yes, know what I mean? But because I'm afraid of like seventy five five percent of things, because there's so many things like entities and creatures to be afraid of in the universe. <laughs> that I'm just um, like, just be good and nice to everyone. You never know who's a demon who wants to eat your fingers. Are you are you an only child? No, I am. Um, yes, I have siblings. I have an older half brother and sister and a younger brother. So I'm three out of four. I'm a okay. desperate for attention middle child. Nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a great first film. What is the film that made you cry the most? And are you a crier? I am. And it depends on the thing. Um, 
I hope no one on the podcast can hear how much wine I'm pouring, but I'm on vacation. Um, so I am a crier. So when you said that, the, the okay, so a couple of films come to mind. The first one, and I wish I could tell you why, but it was when I was younger, was Legends of the Fall. It was yeah. the first film that made me cry, like ugly cry. I, it was like, you know, right around when Anthony Hopkins has the stroke and mm. the sons are all kind of coming back. And I was just like, <laughs> like ugly crying at that, you know? And I mean, in retrospect, I don't know how great the film is, but it's got a lot of sad stuff. Like poor Elliot <laughs> from E.T. gets all like killed mm. in World War II and like all, of, I mean, spoiler alert, but the shit's fucking 30 years old anyway um like you know like it's just like there's like a lot of generations of stuff so that's the first film that i remember like gut crying at but a recent one and i don't know how much this counts because it was on a plane and i cry at pretty much anything i see on a plane yes because i think it's just the altitude and the transit i cry on trains a lot too like anytime i'm moving i think that like those liminal spaces are places where like something can just hit you and you're like, uh, and like no defenses, you know, it'll take a day for my soul to catch up with me. So I always cry on planes and trains. So, but I watched, um, the hate you give, which was uh, really, really, really well done. Film, it's fucking great. And I great was sobbing on the plane and it was so hilarious. Cause I was next, I was in, um, it was an international flight. I was flying from London back to LA to see family. And I was in that middle row of three seats. I was on the aisle. So I'd watched the film. And then there was, there were two friends like of each other. Um, not my friends, but just two people who are friends. But I, I say two white girls only because like I was watching the film and then I watched it and I was like sobbing, whatever. And then I moved on to something else. And then I saw her turn it on, get about 20 minutes in and was like, nope. And I was like, yeah, what happened to all that work y'all said y'all wanted to be doing? <laughs> Everybody's reading the books and everything. Mm-hmm. You can't even make it through this damn film. <laughs> That is so funny. It's uh, not a long film either. It's not no, a long film. She, is... she just got to the first ten, and I get it because like a lot of yeah. times I get to tense moments and I know the horrible thing that's coming and I have to pause and just go like, <sighs> okay. And then, but I, it's like because I know it's worth watching, I'll go back. But like I saw her pause and be like, I can't, I can't do it. I need to watch, you know, I don't know, whatever, something light. And I was like, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Really good answer. That film has not come up on this uh, podcast before, and it's a really good film, and not enough people saw it. Maybe not cry. God, you uh, watch a lot of films. Yeah, I can't believe you've seen all of this. This is sort amazing. Of, sort of my thing, isn't it? What is? Uh, <laughs> it'd be really fun if this podcast was just me going. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not one either. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just a film podcast for someone who hasn't really seen films. Oh, there, that sounds interesting. All right, well, cheers for being. I should on. check it out. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's the film that scared you the most? You, you're easily scared, or you're not. You were. Uh, I am easily scared. Okay. Th- hmm, no, I think I want to save that one because there's. Okay. So, The Ring scared the shit out of me, but it was yeah. a really well made film. I really liked it. I watched it. I think I saw it in a theater first. I think. But what had happened was. I was in New York City at the time. I bought the DVD off of it, of it off the sidewalk, like you do, off of someone who's selling bootlegs. For mm-hmm. And what happened was the bootleg didn't work. But I didn't real. So I'd seen the film, right? And that's the whole thing. It's like you watch a thing, the screen, oh, you have shit. seven days, the phone rings. 
I put it in and then it wouldn't come on. And I was like, because I wanted to watch it again. That's right. Yeah. I had seen it before and I wanted to watch it again so because it was that one. horror film that scared the shit out of me. But I was also like, is really fucking cool and I want to watch it again. And I was like, what the fuck? It's not working. And I literally ran because we had a landline and I ripped the fucking cord out of the wall. I was like, wow. no one can call right now because I'm like, <laughs> I will buy into a thing enough to believe that shit. Like, and it was just like, oh, it's just a bootleg that didn't work. But I swear to God, I spent the rest of the night scared shitless. And my tag on to that is that, as I mentioned before about my father not knowing what is appropriate, I told him I'd really enjoy that movie. And he was like, oh, you should really see Ringu, the Japanese one. Like, it's, that's the bit it's based on it's so much better. And, oh, like, if you like that, you should watch Audition. I bought Audition. <sighs> I couldn't make it through Audition oh because you've seen Audition. You know what the fuck happens in there. And at some point when the tongue got pulled out, I was like, goodbye. I did what the white girl <laughs> on the plane did next to me. I've never finished that film because I was like, I could tell there was still a good half hour left. And yeah. I was like, oh, we're, we're, yeah, we're starting there. Yeah. at dismemberment. So yeah. I got a dip. So, yeah, I think it was uh, – I, I think that stopped me doing horror for a little bit because my dad was like, you should really get into horror. And I was like, I can't objectively appreciate things. Like I, when people get shot in action films, I like tense up and like yeah. hold myself. Like I'm too emotionally empathetic for violent films like that. So I just had to stop. But yeah, the ring was amazingly scary, but like scary. Yeah. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. That's great. What is the film that people don't like? It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it unconditionally. And you're like, everyone else is dumb. Okay. I don't know if people dislike it. Like, I haven't looked at its Rotten Tomatoes score, but I know that it doesn't get mentioned very much from, mm -hmm. like, the, the sort of cadre of 90s films that, like, we all sort of really enjoyed and talk about. And I love Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead Fucking so much. Great <laughs> and film. I don't. And I don't know if people are like, that's a great film, or but like people don't talk about it. No, you're I'm like, right. The that's a really good done, answer. dude. That is such a good answer. That was like, big. That was a thing. And that, it and was you're a right. huge I've not thing. heard anyone talk about it. And it was like, you know, it was like, I think Christina Applegate had come out of the like married with children sort of like, and like, I didn't even know what a grunion was until I saw the film. Like there was so much good stuff happening in that and the whole like, we're going to band together and sort it out because there was like... I must have been around the time of stuff like adventures and babysitting mm -hmm. and probably, you know, like there was like, like Ferris Bueller's day, day off started that thing of like, Hey, we're kids left on our own. Like, what can we get up to? But like, 
I don't know. I can watch Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead now and just be like, yep, I'm into it. I love this movie so much. Great, great, great answer. I'll tell you what, I'm actually giving you 60 points for that. Thank Um, you. Yay. uh, What is the film that you used to love? You loved it a lot and then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, no, I don't like this anymore. For whatever reason, that might be. This I don't know if I uh, will have given enough thought. The thing is, all that's coming up is... (laughs) is stand up that's not that isn't a film because when i when you ask me this question the first thing i think of as the of the and like obviously Mm -hmm. it isn't going to stand up but the first thing i think of is watching bill cosby himself which is not a film it's a stand-up thing but it was one of the things that i watched when i was younger before i became a stand-up that was like wow this is the thing you can do like wow like i want to be a stand-up and then I remember watching it with some friends and this was like before all of the, you know, like before we all knew he was a rapist and we watched it and I was like, this isn't funny. And like, that was the first experience I remember having of just being like, I thought this thing was like golden and untouchable and it's, and it's not, you know, and I, I guess stand up has a, an easier time of doing that. If I think of a film, I'd have to think like, the problem is I love so many things from like the eighties that are classic eighties comedies. I don't know. I would ever abandon, you know what I mean? Like, like everything that like everything that like Bill Murray, uh, Steve Martin or like Chevy chase did in the eighties. Like, I don't give a shit. I mean, I don't care which vacation movie it is. Like I don't like, and I don't care how dated it is. Like, fuck, this is, this is the one where you've got me stumped. Listen, you could, you can, I would accept Bill Cosby himself because it was released as a film. There are stand-up films. I invited people over and we were like, yeah, we're going to watch it. And we all sat there not laughing. And this was not because we judged the man, but I remember watching this and just being like, this was so key to me, like thinking that stand-up comedy was a thing that I could ever do. And I don't understand what I saw in it or what is missing anyway. But that was the one Um, I'm sure in two days I'll be like, ah, this was the movie and I'll just record myself saying it and we'll superimpose it. Cool. Yeah, (laughs) we could do that. We could do that. What's the film that you it might not be special, but it's the film that means the most to you because of the experience you had around seeing it that will always make it meaningful. Ah, uh, fuck. This is... The, okay, there are two answers, and one has a much better story. I should tell that one, even though it's not like... I, the film has meaning to me, even though the film is not like... So, like, the lighter answer is the film Scrooged. I watched that film over and over with my family. It's the one holiday thing that we actually do. We never celebrate Christmas, really. And, like, there wasn't very much that happened around that time. But we always sit down and watch that. And it was something that could bring everybody together. And it's just my family's taste of Christmas film because it's not going to be too, you know, schmaltzy or too whatever. But it's something we can laugh at. But it's something that does always sort of hit you in the gut at the end and make you go like, uh, so that to me, like I'll still put it on. And even though it's extremely dated and all that stuff, like I still have those like warm cockles of like feeling. I had to say that before I say the film that probably actually deserves the rightful spot of this answer, uh, because of what happened surrounding it. So that is, um, Jordan Peele's us, uh, which is one of the scariest films that I've ever seen, but also scary in a like psychologically, spiritually, very profound way, obviously because of what the message of the film is, but uh, because of how I saw it. So 
back in good old Diamond Bar, California. Yeah. Um, the house that I grew up in is where my dad lives now. My mom, when they got divorced, moved out, blah, blah, blah. But my dad still lives there. So I, uh, and when I hang out with my dad, he wants to watch something like a movie or something because that's his language. Do you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, like he's that kind of man who like doesn't know how to communicate. And he's like, let's spend time together and watch a screen. And you're like, <laughs> okay, sure. And at some point, you just yeah, he's a dad. He's a dad. Yeah. Yes. So because we had, we had watched, um, get out together, you know, when us came out, I was like, oh, we should watch that one too, you know? And he obviously has no problem watching a horror film with his child and being like, this is fine. So you've seen that film. Uh, uh-huh. it has, um, and you know, uh, on top of all of the, like, you know, deep, you know, the sort of like mirror I- image of the underworld, whatever, there's a lot of like 11, 11, symbology in the film, mm. which has already got sort of mystical connotations, but also in this film, quite sort of dark, sort of like, there's like a, a gate through which things can pass through whatever connotations. I bring that up because I was at his house, we were watching it, you know, like on his TV, whatever. And when I go out there, I use my brother's electric car. He has like a Nissan Leaf uh, and it's an old one, which means it needs to be charged up all of the time. So I had plugged the car into my dad's garage port and just left it charging when I came over to whatever. Right. Which means I had to go unplug it when I came back out. So he was walking me out to the car saying goodbye. Cause like when I go out to visit, I see my dad a couple times, but then that's it. And he's like, Oh, it's always good to see him. Let's hug and be awkward, whatever. Anyway. So, He's uh, walking me out to the street. Now, Diamond Bar is a very suburban town, very quiet at night. However, it uh, it does have um, a large, I, I mean, in the UK, we call them boy racers, right? Okay. There are, there, it's because it is quite moneyed. There are very wealthy families, very sort of wealthy, uh, predominantly East Asian families with kids who are driving around in BMWs, Mercedes, like it's crazy rich Asians in this town, basically, right? So there's a kid, 16, 17, who has a car that he has no business fucking touching that he is driving around, right? Which means sometimes they're zipping down streets late at night because fuck all is going on, right? Yeah. So I'm setting up the scenario for this because my dad's walking me out to my suburban street, right? And, you know, he's, you know, saying goodbye, we hug, and I'm going to unplug the car. He goes up to the garage, up the driveway to go unplug that part of it to, like, pull the plug back into the car. So I'm standing in the street next to my car that's parked on the street. As I'm unplugging the car, I feel and hear before I see a car at the top of my hill booming down the street. Like, this is a residential 20-mile-an-hour street. This car is going 60, right? Because this kid is going to like just zip down the street and zip onto his home and whatever the fuck else. And it's a hill that has a curve. And then you get to the bottom, which is where my house is. So I'm standing in the street and I feel with my gut and like my third eye and like my soul, this car coming. And the only, like, I can only describe it like the way you feel in a dream where you're like, something's wrong. And I felt this car coming and I was like, And I wanted to, uh, in my gut, I just wanted to run up into the house. I wanted to run up into the driveway and into the house because it was like, this isn't safe. Like, it's not even safe for me to be on the street. I need to get Mm. the fuck away from this. The car zooming around the corner, the car, the the guys in the car don't expect there to be anybody on the street because it's 11 o'clock at night. It's 11.11 at night, Um, which I find out uh, afterwards after what happens next, which is they see me in the middle of the street because I can feel the wind of it he slams on the brakes fishtails into a wall into like a residential wall of someone's house halfway down the street because he saw me i saw him and i was like 
this can't fucking happen. And he slams on the brakes and flies into a wall. So then we spend the next 45 minutes like getting 911, the fire department, whatever, because these kids have slammed a fucking convertible into a wall. Airbags have gone off. They're passed the fuck out, you know? And I like, like, and my dad's running down and he's like, what happened? I was just like, stand, I was still standing in the street because you know how you're like, in that situation, I would do this and that. You're not going to do shit. You're going to stand stock still and try not to piss yourself. Like, I couldn't move. And I went down to call 911 after the crash, and it was 11 fucking 12, which means it happened at 11 11. Fuck. And I just watched that fucking film, and I was freaked the fuck out the entire night because, oh like, we waited God. for an hour. They got taken away. You know, they were okay in the end. But, like, I was just like, Something about that film felt like yeah. it had crossed over into the like from the upside down into the real world yeah. in a way where I was like, I didn't expect that shit to follow me. So that is the right answer to your question, because I will never forget that film or that evening or what happened to my life after I saw that film. Fucking hell. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm alive because I could yeah. not be. And they're OK. The, the, they were all OK. They, yeah, they were. I mean. They're okay only because I was checking the newspaper to see if they had died. It was just like, oh, there's a car crash. And my dad was like, I assume they're okay because there's no flowers in front of that wall. And I was like, dude, that's the most fucked up thing anyone's ever said. But you're not wrong. So I think they're okay. Probably because they're 17. Do you know what I mean? The kind of shit that'll kill you when you're 40 is the kind of thing that you kind of like go like, oh, yeah, remember that fucked up thing that happened when I was 17? You just like walk away from. So I think they were okay because there was no notice that they died. But yeah, that happened. God, that is scary. So yeah, I me that's why I'm like, I try not to fuck with horror films, but like there are some really excellent horror films out there. So I get why people are into them because of what they do to the human psyche. I just... I feel like I'm at a very, there's a thin membrane between me and all of that nightmare. And I'm a very fearful person underneath it. So, yeah. Well, this takes us into obviously the, obviously the next logical question is what's the sexiest film you've ever seen? (laughs) I mean, come on, if we're talking about fear, we definitely need to talk about sex. So these are, um, I mean, the, my answer to this is secretary because obviously it's an S&M film, but that's not the reason or the sole reason. The reason is that is the film that I went on a date with the guy I lost my virginity to. So I, yes, that's how old I was when that happened. We went to see the film in the theater in the East village. I can't remember if it was sunshine or somewhere else that we went to. And I remember going into the bathroom after the film and looking at myself in the mirror and being like, we're getting fucked tonight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we both walked out it was like clearly we're turned on and like yeah. sure as shit like we went home together and that's when it happened so i in my head that's the sexiest film because i deeply associate it with having and was sex. it was it good it was it was done which is what i wanted it to be at that point in my life. like it wasn't bad it was just like it's like the first time you get like high or something like you don't know yeah. what to expect so you don't get the full appreciation out of it like you don't even you're just like is that it like, I yeah. don't know. You know what I mean? So, like, when it happened, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I mean, he he didn't have a small dick or a big dick. He just had a dick. And yeah. we just did some sex. And, like, it was fine. But I was mostly so in my head about, like, it's happening. The thing I've been waiting for to happen <laughs> is happening. That, like, I couldn't tell you. It was, like, it was, it was mostly just uh. sort of, like, comical. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. also, he had a small bed that I think that we maybe cracked a bit. Like, I okay. heard a crack. <laughs> That's good. So it That's, was funny. It was yeah. fun. 
there's a subcategory, which, I mean, I don't even know. Well, we'll see where we go, how we get on with it. Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. A film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. Well, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of... Like, I've never found, like, a, a kid's film arousing. So aside from that, right. I mean, and some people do, but, like, I don't necessarily have a lot of judgment about the things that I found arousing. But I'll tell you things that weren't supposed to be arousing that I found arousing. So mostly because of, okay, so the the one that comes to mind is Batman Returns. Um, <laughs> Batman Returns is one of the sexiest films ever made. Okay, good. Because I just, I'm between Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton's Batman. Like, I love a lot of Michael Keaton. Like, I was yeah. big. Like, and some of the more, you know, like Johnny Dangerously, uh, Night Shift, like, love some Michael Keaton. So, like, I, I, as, as far as his Batman, I, he, he's my preferred Batman. I'm old school. Yeah, That's my preferred too. Batman. And, um, yeah, that scene where they're fucking dancing, you know, yeah. what is it? A mistletoe can kill you if you eat it. A kiss can be deadly or if you mean it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And they're the yeah, only two I, people yeah. at a mask ball not wearing masks. It's fucking yeah. genius. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely humped a lot of pillows as a teenager to that image in my head. So that, I don't, but maybe that was supposed to be sexy. But, like, after yeah, that, funny. I was just like, boom, that's, that's it. That's the first, that's the first deposit in the wank bank is that. <laughs> <laughs> lovely choice i mean absolutely nothing i mean uh, there's nothing to be yeah i don't even know if that's troubling right like that's, that's not even worrying about. that's just i mean i also sense and sensibility is another one only because alan rickman is so delicious that like and everything about his character in that film is mm. so delicious i made a comment about that him on stage once where i was like you know when a man sounds like he's good at eating you out um <laughs> that's <laughs> He sounds like he's good at eating a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, just, but is, you know, he's done a lot of things, but him specifically in that film, which is not a particularly like him being super broody or whatever, was always just like, whoo, just got me, yeah, wide on a, a flowing, yeah, a, a widen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is the film <laughs> that, what is the film that you most relate to? Um, <laughs> So I, I need to give you a single answer, not two. The first one that comes, well, no. So there's this film, and I don't even remember if it's, it's a, it's a film that was like a made-for-TV movie kind right. of thing. I don't even know if it ever came out in a cinema. I believe it, and I saw it when I was young, and it's called, I think it's called Most Likely To. And it's okay. basically about this chick who's like a fat chick who gets made fun of in high school, and then she has a car accident, and somehow she comes out skinnier. After the yes. surgery or something, they fix her up and they make her hot, which never happens. And then she like goes about getting revenge on everybody now that she's fucking hot. Yeah, she's a, she's a serial killer or something, right? Or, or something like that. Yeah, like I can't, I just remember seeing it when I was young. And j just because like, you know, I still have a lot of petty grievance about like, you know, when you receive an award, when you imagine the speech, you're supposed to imagine all the people that you're thanking who got you there. But like also part of you imagines being like, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> I, I, I've, I have a dream, fuck you speech. Well, which like, is just, and yeah. also, I, I'm just saying, because you have a very high likelihood of winning an Emmy, so like, you really need to think about, make some choices now about what the future's going to hold, because <laughs> you might be like, you know, and Mrs. Torrance in fifth grade, eat dick. <laughs> <laughs> but like, probably not. So, 
But I, I will say the one, but I think only because I have a lot of like deeply seated, just being a fat kid resentment about like taking that, like that rage out. But I think more, I think this is a better example. Um, true stories. Um, the, the talking heads are David Byrne film, true stories. So okay. in that, in that film, Swoozy Kurtz plays the laziest woman in town. And I just was like, fucking goals. Like she lives in her bed and it, like people come to like the hairdresser comes to her bed. People bring the phone to her bed. People bring like meals to her bed. And she's sitting there watching TV. And John Goodman is on this show talking about stuff. And she's like, I want to meet him. Find me him. And then he comes over for a date in her fucking bed. And I just was like, you're I just, yes, like everything about her living her life from her bed. I was just like, exactly that. Like that. <laughs> why do we not accept that that is a, a reasonable way to live? When I saw that, I was just like, yep, I'm all about this life. So the laziest <laughs> woman in town, I was just was like, I've never had a film speak so directly to me. <laughs> that is really funny. That is a dream. Okay. What is objectively, objectively the greatest film of all time? Desiree Perch shit not your favorite necessarily it's just like the pinnacle okay, of yeah, cinema maybe there's another one the best film of all this has been said before i think it's just a perfect film i mean it's definitely been said a billion times before but ferris bueller's day off is a perfect film in my mind the, it's a great perfect answer. film no no i don't think anyone's put it in the greatest category i think it. like it like i'm not people put like big heavy dramas and oscar winners yeah. and whatever i'm a huge comedy person so to me like that is a perfect film like that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, perfect film in my mind. But like, especially because it happened in San Dimas, which is right next to me. But I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a perfecter film. And objectively, I think that anyone could watch that in any era and be like, yeah, like you're a kid dipping out of some shit you don't want to do. Who hasn't been that person? And you were set about having the perfect day. And guess what? You fucking had it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> perfect film. Yeah. Great. Uh, what is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? Um, I, ooh, Coming to America, I've probably seen 200 times. Yeah. I mean, easily. Like, just, you know, I can do that film with my family. Coming to America and <laughs> what about Bob? I should say oh, wow. Groundhog Day. Everybody says Groundhog Day. What about Bob? I've watched that f film with my family so many times. Love that film so much. We'll continue to <laughs> quote it with like just someone will say something and then we'll start popping off of each other both of those films i've seen so much love them so much can quote them we'll watch them again put them on doesn't matter and i think with like a close second tommy boy i've seen a bazillion uh, times and love that movie list. so deeply and we'll laugh at it now and always yeah good list that is a solid list we don't like to be negative do we desiree what's the worst film you've ever seen there's worst as in amazingly bad. And then there's bad, bad, like amazingly bad is um, anything by Neil Breen, like yeah. fateful findings, like, you know, amazingly bad, hilariously bad, like, you know, MST3K kind of bad, but like enjoyable. But for me, I, I will say the film Olympus has fallen only because I walked out of it because I walked into it. And then they were just shooting up people on the White House lawn. And it was so extraordinarily violent for no reason right up top that I was just like, no, like it just it made me mad. I was like, 
you haven't even earned any of this. And you put Morgan Freeman's ass in there to like fucking condone this shit, you know, because he's the voice of the president and God and everything. Anytime he's like, we need an official voice. Call Morgan up. Right. And then it's just a bunch of fucking random violence for no reason. Like, that's not how that's not how the government's going to get taken down. The government's going to get taken down by fucking Facebook, as we all figured out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was just I was so mad at all of it that I was there for 10 minutes and I was with my brother and we walked out and got our fucking money back. I was wow. just like, it's it's so gratuitously violent. Like it's and I, I don't abhor violence, but it's just like, you know, when you see a Hollywood film that disrespects you, that goes like, yeah. oh, they'll just take this shit, you know? So, yeah, that was that was one. I, I'm going to put it on the worst list only because I, I don't know. It might have been an okay film, but fuck that film because <laughs> it I, talked down to really me. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> and also sometimes they're selling the violence. What they're selling is look at how well and how much we mm. did the violence. I'm like, you can't see a single fucking titty, but you can see all like someone be eviscerated and like sh- like it's just so... I just feel I felt like offended about our society and about like filmmaking and everything. I was just like, no, fuck yeah. you. I'm getting this whatever 1250 back. <laughs> yeah, that is so fucked up. I mean, look, you probably I'm sure people know this about me. I would rather see a titty than violence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think everyone on this planet would rather see a titty than violence, except for certain Republicans who are in charge of yeah. everything. <laughs> it's very. Yeah, it's a real that whole thing with. The the censorship in America that s- sex stuff will get you a an R and shooting people will get you a yeah. PG. This is a suitable for children over thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> no. no, it's fucking not because those are the kids who are shooting up the schools. It's absolutely not okay for them. Yeah, Ugh. you're in comedy. You're very funny. You're very good at it. What's <laughs> yeah. the film that made you laugh the most? Yeah, I mean, I like the answers I want to come back to are the ones that I've watched over and over. You know what I mean? Like Coming to America, Tommy Boy, make me laugh. All, like, and I've watched them over and over, and they continue to make me laugh over and over. Like, it is the combination of like physical comedy and, you know, I don't know, just like just some heart. You know, like I just yeah. I don't know. I'm basic. Um, <laughs> just you know, I like. I, They're I, fucking I, classics, though. They are. I wish I could think of something that was just like so much funnier funnier but like those are really funny they're hard to talk yeah i mean and there was like basically you know like how snl had like a really good run of every time someone would leave and do a film you're like it's fucking great you know what i mean like the 80s and and well into the 90s you know and i I mean i mean even some of the adam sandler ones some of them (laughs) quite good quite good and, you him. know, and even his dramatic turns quite good. But then sometimes I was just like, man, you got to knock it off. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, um, who? Wait a second. Hold on. I made a quick list. I'm going to see if there's anything on my cheat sheet that's better than what I've said. Because okay. I did. I was like, I made a little list of things that I'd seen. Here's another one. And this is a one that I've seen a lot that is very quotable. Um, the Golden Child. Um, a lesser, a, yes. a more unsung Eddie Murphy film. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I mean, it could go into a number of categories, but yeah. love that film. Just like, I mean, <laughs> just, you know, like it, he had to comment on every fucking thing. Only a man whose ass is narrow can fit down these stairs. Just every moment, even though they're all like super Buddhist. It's like the juxtaposition of like the super like Tibetan Buddhist, whatever, with fucking Eddie Murphy, who's the yeah. one in charge of saving them. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I could watch that a million times and laugh. Now, Desiree, you've been 
Absolutely brilliant. Wonderful. I've loved this. It's been a joy. Oh, for me too. However, when you were driving along a, a windy road and uh, I knew what day it was because I know the day you're going to die, but you don't want to know. So Thank so you, you so much, Brad. You saw, you saw nothing coming and you just sort of turned the corner, but the corner was much uh, more turny than you thought. And you just drove yeah. off, you just drove off the cliff. And for yeah. a brief moment, you were flying, Jack, you were flying <laughs> and you, you held out your arms and you were amazingly peaceful despite knowing that very soon it would all end and you crashed into the ground and your body went straight through the windscreen into the ground and crushed within to itself it, it was pretty wow. dis- it was disgusting yeah. <laughs> and uh and then the car exploded <laughs> yes and- it always has to <laughs> And I was walking about, walking about the uh, sort of uh, valleys, and I was like, "Where's Desiree? I ain't seen her for a while." And I got a coffin with me, you know. I like, and I see this yeah. sort of smouldering wreckage, and I look through it, and there's coyotes eating your remains, and I'm like, "Bloody hell!" As if she's not been through it enough. And I shoo them off. I go, "Fucking hell, guys! Thank come you. on." That's kind. And I Thank come you. to get you come to get what's left of you but it's a fucking mess it's like ash there's bits everywhere glass anyway i do what i can i put everything in the coffin but there was i've i've packed you in but there's no room in this coffin now it's like it's absolutely full because of the bits yeah, of car that bit, came with and the and the and bits of sort of coyote shit i mean i'm i'm really sorry yeah. but it's not pretty it's okay. As long as you can fit it into like a mushroom bag, I want an eco burial and I want to be right, right. composted. So sure. get it in the bag and I'm all that. good. Yeah, the, but the the thing is, there's only enough room in this eco bag for me to slip one DVD into the side with you for you to take to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. And one night it's your movie night. What film are you going to show everyone when it's your movie night while oysters and clams are, are performing oral sex on you during the screening? <laughs> I've used up so many good films. I wish I could. Um, so I think, I mean, is this a terrible answer? It's my movie night in the afterlife. Yeah. Oh, there's the funny answer and there's the email. No, yeah, this is the funny answer. I think I want to just put on B- Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> right? That's a great film to show people. They'll fucking because love it. We all just need to remember to, t- you know, and yeah. also like that was, you know what I mean? Like, Everyone I talk to who's around our age talks about being freaked out about Large Marge uh, at that point. And they're like, you know, we're all like, oh, my God, it's so scary. It's fucking claymation. We were all scared shitless. And there's something so delightful, you know, when he's going through Exhibit B and then it's like Exhibit Q. Like, there's just so many great moments. It's such a darling film. Paul Rubin's such a darling person. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just was like, that's what, that's what I'm going to put on. I mean, I've gone through all of the films and I'm like, this means so much to me. But like once I'm in the afterlife, it's like, come on, you know, let's have yeah. a fucking laugh. Let's, you know, let's put something on for the whole family. Let's, let's scare some of the kids who died too early because they're here too and they got to watch something. They need to see yeah. that much. Um, <laughs> and be like, oh my God, so scary. <laughs> That's right, you're brilliant. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for, to watch, to listen to before we go? 
Sure. So um, uh, if you are in the UK, please do watch the uh, pilot of The Love Triangle, which is going to be on uh, E4 and then C4. But um, also, I think if you are in other places, you could check me out. I'll be on this next upcoming season of Taskmaster, which is very exciting um, and was such a delight, like one of the delights of my life to do. You don't get Mm. gigs that fun very often. So that was really wonderful. So um, and that'll be out in... um, uh, the, like soon, like, like in the autumn, like uh, I think toward the end of the month or, you know, beginning of October, something like that. Also, there's going to be another season of Too Hot to Handle because, I mean, it's not going to stop. So <laughs> check it out so I can um, keep having work. Uh, I'm trying to buy a house, guys. So please please watch it. Please do not slide into my DMs to ask me how you can get on the show. My name mm. is not under casting. I can if I could collect the hundreds of messages that are like, wow. hey, how can I get onto? I'm like, may I don't know, I don't want to know, I don't know how these people, I don't even know where these people come from. Like they're lovely, but I have no idea. Please stop. But yes, do yeah. check it out. Desiree, you're amazing. Thank you so much for doing this and for your time. I hope you have Brett, a wonderful you're amazing. death and a wonderful holiday. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that I avoided doing during the podcast what most people do is to congratulate you on how amazing your show is. I feel like 10% of your podcast. Stop. No, it's so good. It's so good. And um, cut this part out. But I just wanted to tell you that you're fucking dope and well done. Thank you. um, you. I'm going to stop the recording. Do you you hate it when people do that? Thank you. Good night. Just say good night. So that was episode 164. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Desiree. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but don't tell me about the podcast. I don't care. I want to hear about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a very nice thing to read. Helps numbers, blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much to Desiree for doing the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lytham for the photography. Come and join me next week for another brilliant guest. But that is it for now. So everyone, in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! 
<laughs> Ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.